Good morning. Happy Monday. Welcome to the start of your week with the first episode, Zudo episode of what we'll call Wizards Weekly, Wizards Semi-Weekly, Wizards Bi-Weekly, Wizards on a repeated basis. My name is Hush. You're listening to The Rock is Hot. And with me is who? It's Kia Kostrin, as always. We're both Wizards fans, so sometimes we're just going to have to talk about the least interesting team in the league. But we'll make it interesting, and so that's what matters, really. <laughs> the best part <laughs> about the Wizards is that they're not very interesting. So it's easy. It's just like you say two things, and you're done. So it's going to be a series of eight-minute podcasts. You know, you'll... <laughs> Yeah, like 60, we, 60 seconds a week and you'll be fine <laughs> we're clearly capable of eight minute podcasts yeah no if the most listen to our... <laughs> yeah no if, do not look like on our podcast feed it's gonna be two hours <laughs> each time so we want to talk about the wizards because knock on wood and this is going to be the wood and i'm excited about this team right now they've won four in a row they sit at eight and six, which means they're all alone in the Eastern Conference fifth seed, which is pretty scary. Not going to lie. It's scary for the East that a team as bad as the Wizards is this high up. With the Cavs lost tonight, they're only a half game shy of the four, and they're also a half game shy of the three. Those teams, them and the Hawks, are both eight and five. And man, <laughs> that ain't right. But they are, and they were ten and three last year, and we had a lot of fun with that. Because they're not yeah. ten and three, this feels more sustainable. Um, yeah, I like this more than being ten and three. I do too. I do too a lot. The Jazz started ten and three. They're now ten and five. They lost to the Wizards yesterday, and tonight they lost to the Seventy Sixers. Embiid had fifty nine, eleven, eight assists, seven blocks. That's one of the craziest things I've heard in a long time. Oh my god! I so badly wish that he got to sixty. He missed a crazy turnaround step back three with like thirty seconds left, the like last possession, basically that they have each time. They would have gotten yeah. it from fifty-seven to sixty. He missed it, and then he got fouled and he got up to fifty-nine. But that six-zero man would have been special. Yeah. I guarantee it's the only sixty-point-eight block game. But Joel Embiid doesn't play for the Wizards. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I have one thing. <laughs> Semi Wizards related, but just the commentary on the whole league before we get into like the real part of this. Is it just me or does everything feel like extra fake right now? Like obviously the beginning of the season is never real, as we just said, the Wizards were ten and three last year. But I feel like it's extra like non representative this year. I like echo that point like full heartedly. The Bucks have the best record in the NBA and they're missing their second best player. I mean, Middleton's worse yeah. injury, but we're not going to do that. They're missing, like, their all-star player. And yeah, I mean, Middleton's even, better, but... Yeah. And <laughs> even without Middleton, they took, like, the second-best team seven games and, like, should have beat the Celtics. Like, are the Bucks really just the best team? Like, period? Because they're on pace to go 70-12 and 12 without Chris Middleton. <laughs> 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 so that's like, <laughs> what are we supposed to do with that? Are they the 15, 16 Warriors right now? Like, the thing about that is that so, I yes. feel like... Like the Jazz thing also. The yeah, fact the... that the Lakers are 3-10, and 10, 
with like three first bout Hall of Famers. The Bucks feel like one of the one most one of the most like normal things I feel like is the Bucks. Yeah, because we know what they are. They just won the championship a year ago. Yeah, compared to like the Jazz, the yeah, the Warriors being so bad, like yeah, like the Warriors and the Lakers are the thirteen and the fourteen. Nothing is real right now. Yeah. Okay, so that being yeah, said, that being said, the Wizards are <laughs> the Wizards are something to be excited about. <laughs> They've won their last four games to go from four and six to eight and six. We were having a very bad time as Wizards fans when they were four and six. Like the fire West unsold trend was very very brutal. Mm-hmm. It was like honestly gross. People were very much not understanding basketball. Bradley Beal like officially has the nickname bankroll now which is like pretty derogatory thank god I've been staying off Twitter uh, yeah Twitter sucks but bankroll Beal is kind of like it's good bankroll is a fine ass nickname (laughs) (laughs) without Brad though they've won four in a row and that's the part that's that's not great yeah that's something Brad has been unbelievable, though, in terms of his efficiencies. He's averaging, like, career-high efficiencies. He's shooting 52% from the field, 92% from the stripe, and 5.7 assists whilst posting the 91st percentile assist percentage. Mm -hmm. Like, 85th percentile points per shot attempt. He's been awesome. He just hasn't really been doing that much in terms of volume. And then without him... Go ahead. His volume is definitely down. His three-point percentage is still not – I mean, like, it's been said a million times, but it's just weird how far that's fallen. But he has a really balanced shot diet this year. He's scoring from everywhere on the court, 80% at the rim, like elite Jeez. numbers from mid-range. Is yeah, 80%? Like, yeah. Yeah. He 59% from two generally. Like, that's crazy. Uh, all twos, yeah. Probably and not that strong. Yeah, I mean, like probably unsustainable to an extent, but but so amazing. But so is everything else. Like he's taking the least field goals he has since he was twenty-two years old. Yeah, like you imagine the going to go up. Yeah, and I think he fits really, really well with Kristaps. Oh, it's great. I've Kristaps is easily the story of the season. Do you agree? Yeah, he's not going to – like, you mean for the Wizards specifically? Yes, for the Wizards oh, yeah, specifically. Of course, of course. Kelly Olenek's the story of the season. About... <laughs> Chris Lopps isn't getting talked about generally, but, like, he's an all-star this year, is he not? Yeah, I mean, he put up 25 tonight. We're recording late Sunday night after they beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Without John Morant, but – Without Jean Morant, but I mean, without Bradley Beal. Yeah, exactly. And without Johnny Davis and without DeLon Wright. So that's basically <laughs> the whole guard rotation. Yeah. Except yeah, Chris... for one man who we should get to pretty soon, I feel like, Jordan yeah. Goodwin, because he's also been yeah. a storyline for this season. Yeah, 21, 8, 2.5, like some blocks, 39% from deep. He's like an incredible defender. Kristaps is an all-star on like the best player on a five C is what he's been. But yeah, Jordan Goodwin, I would say 
is in the opposite way the other story of the season even though it's been i think six games for him Mm -hmm. yeah i mean he's really extremely efficient he can shoot he just kind of i mean he's not really like a full point guard like people are saying but i I don't think he's a point guard at all yeah but one of my favorite things about this team is they don't necessarily need a point guard and that's kind of one of my favorite things. I love when teams have forwards and bigs who can create for others. Chris Saps hasn't been seen as that generally in his career. And he's obviously not like Jokic, as I think Wes Unsell kind of alluded to him being once. Obviously, he's not that. But his playmaking has looked the best it's probably ever looked. From the high post, he's making nice reads. Kuzma is one of the better point forwards in the league. Denny is still a little disappointing, but like that's his mold. Denny has been on a heater, though. Denny has been putting up the second-best three-game scoring stretch of his career these past three games, and he just posted a career high tonight, tied, of 21 points. Yeah, I'm just saying I haven't, like, the playmaking still to me hasn't been what I've wanted. I've been disappointed with it. I've expected, like, at this point in his career, one or two assist double-doubles out of Denny. Yeah. Yeah, I don't exactly. think he's ever had 10 assists in a game. I think his career high is still eight. Yeah, but so my point is, yes, the with all thing. of this, even when you have Bradley Beal, or especially when you have Bradley Beal, at that point, you don't need a true point guard. I think someone like Jordan Goodwin fits really well there. I kind of like point Beal if it's surrounded by other guys who can make plays for themselves and others. And I think that's exactly what this team has. Right, and I think that's what Jordan Goodwin is doing is that's the reason why they drafted Johnny Davis and the reason why the Pelicans drafted Dyson Daniels so high is you know what you are and you want to compliment that. So Brad is Brad, you know, he's like Luca. Like these dominant guards need somebody next to them who's not also a main high usage guard. And Monty Morris is really good at that, I think. But we drafted Johnny Davis to be an elite point-of-attack defender, an absolute dog, someone who brings physicality and makes the opposing team's best player like have a tough night, and to mm-hmm. rebound and handle the ball and let Brad score off-ball just by being another quality ball handler. And Johnny Davis is obviously underwhelmed. I don't really want to talk about him. But what Jordan Goodwin is doing is really special. And if you look at Jordan Goodwin's profile compared to Johnny Davis, they're scary similar. His last two years at St. Louis, Jordan Goodwin was a rookie last year in the 21 class, which is the same as Kispert. He's in his second year. He averaged 10.1 and 10.4 rebounds as a junior at six foot three as as an off guard. Like he's a shooting guard. He didn't play point guard in college. And that's just insane. He could be the best defender on this team. Uh, at terms of guarding ones and twos, he probably is. And that rebounding thing is nuts. And he's literally leads the team in having that dog in him. And <laughs> like, he's a guy who was the best player on St. Louis University. And Johnny Davis was the best player on the Wisconsin 905, the Wisconsin Santa Cruz Warriors, the Wisconsin Mad Ants, 
Like Johnny Davis's team was terrible, so he could get no assists, even though he was playing high usage and passing pretty well. Now that Jordan Goodwin has professional NBA teammates, he's been doing the same thing. He's mm-hmm. been getting like actual dines and passing really well, and people think of him as a point guard because he's playing next to like Will Barton and Denny Kispert, Rui Kuzma. Yeah, he's not the answer to the point guard problems, but he is still a solution for what the team needed. And yeah. I love it so much. I gushed and gushed and gushed about him when I was covering Summer League for my paper in Dallas last Summer League. He was the best player on their team. He was like, yeah. to be the best player on a Summer League team does not mean much, but it's far from nothing. And a low percentage of guys that play basketball can do that. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, I know you like Monte Morris a lot. Oh, a lot. Probably as much as or more than any other Wizards fan. Yeah. I haven't loved what I've seen from him on this team. I think in a way he takes away from what we're saying is kind of their identity that they should buy into. I'm not sure what the alternative would be, but I feel like he doesn't really add – like. He is the only guy on the team you can trust to handle the ball with a lot of high usage, pass mm-hmm. a lot, and not make many mistakes. But I'm not sure how valuable that is if, like we're saying, they should kind of lean into the secondary creation and everyone kind of playing off each other. Because I don't think you can play off the others that well. Yes. And, like, I totally – agree i like what he's done and the thing about morris is he's very specifically on this team for one reason and that's to share the court with brad yeah and other than that he i mean he's the first adult in the room that they've had handling the ball since russ mm-hmm. spencer dinwiddie did not bring that once and once spencer dinwiddie was gone no one else did that even remotely. And then Brad was shut down at the trade deadline for the rest of the year. And Brad's, yeah. like, if you want to look at it, Dald is like point guard. They haven't had a real point guard on the roster since Russ. And Russ is like a 30-something percent usage guy. Mm-hmm. And then before that, it was Healthy Wall or, like, the corpse of Ish Smith. So Monty is very much here to unlock Brad's game and let Brad do what he wants. And... Because you can't get, say, Chris Paul, I think the James Harden example is the best one. Brad's current game and current optimized usage is like Houston, James Harden, safe for the passing. He's just like, go and get buckets. And the ideal thing for James Harden, as we saw when they won 65 games and were the best team in the league, should have toppled a super team, was with Chris Paul next to him. Because Chris Paul plays defense, he shoots, and he passes. And you can't get those three skills at elite levels in one guy unless you have a future Hall of Famer. So what they're trying to do is get the passing part out of Monty Morris because that's what he's capable of. And then DeLon Wright is kind of the defense with some aggression. And then Monty can shoot a little bit. But to get all those three things at high levels, you have to have a Hall of Famer. But those are the things that unlock a high-usage, off-guard scoring player like Brad Beal or James Harden or Luka or, like we're seeing with Dyson Daniels, the kind of triumvirate of C.J. McCollum, B.I., and Zion. 
Mm-hmm. Monty Morris does not make very much sense on an empty team. He did yeah. not make like he would not make any sense on very many bad teams. But the Wizards aren't a bad team, and they've got a very clear identity offensively that revolves around an All NBA scorer. So mm-hmm. Monty's been ugly, but I love him, and I think he's the number one answer. But like you're saying, Jordan Goodwin has been amazing in Brad's stead because the yeah. identity changes when he's out. And they've been so much fun when Brad's been out. They I, have shot the lights out, and they're just playing different. I think my issue with Monte is I don't – like, I see what you mean, but I don't think he actually unlocks that kind of scoring guard as much as you would think because since he's not very aggressive, he's not getting in the paint, he's not really pulling defenders away from a perimeter player like Beal. So I don't think in the end it actually complements him as much as you would think. And he doesn't have, like, the shooting gravity to do that either. I feel like he's better at, honestly, like, slowing it down, getting it to our big guys like Chris Saps. I think that's mm. the most valuable thing. And I think that's why I really – I would like this type of player with someone like Zion, like you said, New Orleans, yeah. someone like that. I don't think unless they have some sort of – particularly shooting, which is why I think Lowry is so effective at this, but it could also be like driving prowess. Unless they have that, I don't think it really aids other perimeter players that much. Where I feel like a bigger wing that can either shoot, that can do two of three of like drive, shoot, and pass is kind of a better fit for this. Like what Benedict Matherin could be or like Honestly, no, Benedict Matherin, I feel like that mold of player would be really great here. Just yeah. in terms of like a shooter and slasher that can play off this. And then, I mean, he's not much of a creator for others, but that's like you hope kind of Kyle Kuzma, Denny, Chris Stapps can like help with that. Yeah. And I think that's the problem is it's not two people out there, it's five. So... Monty Morris is really good for Brad, but if it was just two players, like you said, you would want Brad with Johnny Davis and Jordan Goodwin. Those are the two best players for just them two. But I think Monty bridges the gap between those guys and what's good for Kuzma, Kristaps, and Kispert, or Denny or Rui, whichever one it is at the three. Because you take Brad out of it, those guys can't do what you need them to do without a point guard setting them up. Exactly. Yeah. Kristaps can't self-create at all. Kuzma can self-create, but that's very narrow. That's very tunnel vision-like if you're asking him to do that consistently. And so I think Monte does really well. He's really good in the pick and roll, and he does a lot for Kristaps. That yeah. I think he's the best combination on the roster and stylistically of a guy who can help Brad and help Kristaps, which is what you do. When you know who your two best players are, you try and get your two best players to really, really win you games. I think that's where Monte comes in, and they've been too muddled to get a good look at him, that I think a very reasonable take is that Jordan Goodwin has been better than Monte. But I don't think Jordan Goodwin is close to being as good as Monte is. 
like overall yeah yeah i can definitely agree with that i think if you're going to go with that kind of player in my opinion they would probably need to be a better shooter like i said i think that's what makes kyle lowry so effective at this yeah yeah i'm thinking monte morris as like michael conley type like jazz michael conley yeah but if you switched conley and monte morris i think their team would be very very similar exactly jazz and the wizards like to what they currently are i just think conley adds a lot more as a shooter so he would be better he doesn't have the gravity though and like more than Monte has, and Monte is a career thirty nine percent shooter. I just don't like that we're comparing Monte at twenty seven to like thirty five year old Mike. Yeah, thirty five year old Mike Conley. Yeah, I but think... that's the type of guy it is. And Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell worked some, but it could have worked better. And I think that's why. I like Brad and Monte more because Brad is inside out and outside in. Mm-hmm. Conley and Monte are not driving at all, but Brad is. And so I think that game works better, especially with a scoring big like Kristaps, who is a two-level scorer. Yeah, I think... Like the think game someone... revolves around those three. I feel like I would like it to revolve around Kuzma more. But I think for I think this so like too. for this point guard role, I think the ideal version would be like kind of like the ideal version of Devontae Graham in like uh Charlotte. Like on yeah. offense, not defense. But just in terms of like big shooting gravity, honestly like a really pretty solid playmaker. And then, yeah, that's kind of it. Like, doesn't need to do anything else. (laughs) I had Devontae Graham, I think, number one or number two on my Wizards free agency wish list. Yeah. Two years ago. I mean, I think he's looked Before the Pelicans gave him that four-year deal. Because exactly what you're saying. He lights it up from deep. He takes more threes than twos. And Mm -hmm. he gets, like, seven or eight assists per game. Exactly. And That's you can exactly afford, what I want from Monte Morris. You can afford for him to not get to the paint at all because he's such a great shooter that it complements the abilities of Beal, Chris Stapps, and Kuzma to get to the paint. Yes. Like, that is exactly how I want Monte Morris to play. That's a really good comp. And yeah. I just don't think like Morris we... has the shooting talent to do that. I think he doesn't I think have... that's where we defer. I don't think he has the green light. I think a lot of that was like maybe 70, 75% DNA of Devontae Graham, but Monte could do that if Wes Green let him to. Maybe. I mean, and... if Monte is that level of shooter, then I'm on board. But if he's not doing that, I don't feel as much. He's a career 39% shooter. He shot 39.5% from three on a career high in attempts last year. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of that comes off like fairly open looks from Jokic. Like he's playing with the best, maybe the best playmaker of all time after Magic. So, well, he's going to be playing with three 20 ish point per game scorers in Washington. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see if he. Yeah, 
I don't know. It, yeah. So it I think what, what he's allowed to do for sure. And then we can gauge based off that. But if he's not allowed to even shoot them in the first place, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I think that's going to end up being his game with Brad is he's going to be a floor stretcher pass first guy, which is honestly the optimal thing mm-hmm. for Beal. Beal works best when he's not a point guard. He's been like, he averaged 31, five and five over a two season stretch when he was playing off ball. Yeah. And I think he needs to get back to that. And I think Monte is really good at that because he works best with the ball in his hands. And Kristaps is strong, large, incredible pick-and-pop threat. Like I said, shooting 39% from deep this year. That's not sustainable. Yeah. That's not totally sustainable. He won't finish the year on that. But he's not a fake stretch five. He's a real stretch five this year. And if that continues, that's going to be the difference for the offense. I genuinely feel that way. If they have New York Kristaps just on offense then they just have too much other firepower with Brad and Coos and then Rui and Barton, a little bit of supplementary stuff. Basketball reference reference has Chris Stops at 35 from three on the season. 35? Yeah, 35. NBA.com told me 39. NBA.com told me 38.7. That's... 2.2 makes on 5.8 attempts. This says... You have them on 12 well, games played, don't you? Yeah. So that doesn't include tonight's game. NBA.com oh, updates faster. It went up that much in one game. That's crazy. I think he hit five tonight. Yeah. Sense. Maybe more than five, but yeah. The point that is, shows, I think that shows how fickle of... these numbers are. He's only played 13 games. Yeah. I think, regardless of the percentages, he is that level of shooter. Yeah. Like six. He was six for 10 tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. I wonder. I mean, I don't. I think there's some of like some kind of fat they can trim. I don't think Will Barton is doing much. I don't like Will Barton at all. What do you think of the three position? Are you, first of all, totally aligned with Brad Coos and Porzingis at two, four, and five are given? I don't think Monte will ever lose the starting job, nor should he at the one. If those things are all givens, who do you like to start at the three? Well, first I'll say I wouldn't mind DeLon Wright getting that starting point guard job. Dude, I wouldn't mind Johnny Davis getting that starting point guard job. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't either. Like, I think... Go ahead. I would like if Beal split... Not split. Played a lot of his minutes alongside Goodwin, DeLon, I guess Johnny maybe. Yeah. And... And then you would get more like Monte, Rui, slash Kuzma, KP lineups. Yes, because to me, I the strongest Monte Morris guy possible, but I think the one and the three go together. So if Monte Morris is at the one, I think I want Denny starting. But if he's not, and it doesn't have to be starting necessarily, in lineups with Monte, I think I want Denny. But in any other lineup, I want Kispert. I think it I might... want like I want Jordan Goodwin, Brad Kispert, Kuzma, KP could end up being their best lineup. 
That's interesting to me because I feel like you might want Denny and Monte not together because both of them have a similar issue of maybe not Lack being aggressive. Yeah. But I think their play, like Monte Morris and Brad is very weak defensive backcourt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Denny is the best defender on the team. Yeah, that's and... the reason I would take him over Kisper for that. Yeah. Like if, I, ha- if I were to take him over Kisper. And having the two best playmakers at their position on the team, the best playmaking point guard and the best playmaking forward on the mm-hmm. court at the same time lets Brad, Kuzma, and KP do their best thing on offense, which is all score. Like yeah. the Wizards' three best offensive players all have the number one trait of score. So yeah. giving them the two best playmakers whilst not being terrible shooters. Mm-hmm. Like Monte can hit it and Denny can't hit it, but he stands on the outside still. <laughs> you know, he's not like Daniel Gafford where he's tethered to the rim. Yeah. And then you, you have, have Beal... worse spacers than Denny. Yeah. And then what'd you say? In lineups where Beal has more ball handling responsibility than you have Kisper who can just capitalize off of that. Yes. So, I, yeah, that makes sense. I love Kisper. I have no problem with him starting. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the Wizards' best lineup right now is as players are currently like. If this is what Jordan Goodwin is, current Jordan Goodwin, Brad, current Kispert, Kuzma, and KP, I think is one of the best lineups. I I actually like that a lot. Yeah, I like that a ton. And two years from now, that'll be Johnny Davis instead of Goodwin, and it will be consistent for eighty-two games. Like they drafted Johnny Davis to do literally what Goodwin's doing right now. And I can't say that enough. Their college numbers are almost exactly the same. Their skill sets are literally exactly the same. Score on the interior, like take threes and get lucky, pass well, rebound literally better than any guard your size in the league. Mm -hmm. I love what Jordan Goodwin brings. I thought there was a chance on draft night that Johnny Davis was the starting guard next to Brad. Not necessarily the starting point guard, the way Jordan Goodwin, I wouldn't say, is the point guard when he's on the floor. Yeah. Just like the, the guard half that plays of, next yeah, to Half of the backcourt. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I love Jordan Goodwin so much. I don't think he's better than Monte. I also don't want to talk about Jordan Goodwin and Monte anymore, really, but yeah, he's exactly what this team needs. I'm so happy he's here. And mm-hmm. it's going to be tricky when DeLon Wright comes back, but good problems to have. I suppose yeah. DeLon Wright's a movable contract. I know it's way ahead of ourselves, but I don't really think anything bad will come from this. Yeah. What do you think moving forward? Let's look at the schedule. They're they're in the midst of their longest home Mm-hmm. What do you think of this upcoming schedule I'm about to read out to you? I've got first. I kind of want to say one more thing about the roster construction really quickly. And Please can... do. I don't ever mean to cut you off. Yeah, we can close what uh, what you're about to talk about. As much as I love him, I think I'm with you that Gafford is not right for this team anymore. Thank you. Since moving on from Westbrook, he just makes a lot less sense on both ends to sit with KP. Yeah, I mean, not sure exactly what they would trade him for. 
but I still think he can be a really high-end player on a different team, like best backup big in the league, honestly even a good starter. I think he has that in him. Don't think he has that in him on this roster anymore. I've come back around. I like <laughs> you were at the point where you're like, he's like the fourth best player on the team. Like it's the big three and then it's Gafford. And I never saw that, but I think we're at the point of overcomplicating it. Gafford no longer is, and rightfully so, being asked to do anything crazy, really at all. Like he's not they're not doing Gafford Porzingis lineups. Like they tried yeah. last year, and I thought had chances, letting Kristaps be a roamer. Like we can't have Gafford as Brook Lopez and Kristaps as Giannis. Just <laughs> the vision, the vision while existing <laughs> was never truly there. <laughs> I did see the vision though, but we're done with that. It seems like in the past four games, loosely maybe six, Wes has come back around to realize Gafford's a center. He's just a second string center and nothing more. And I think now they're just using him like teams use Andre Drummond or like I don't know who's another like JaVale McGee or if it's a Zubats kind of or Mitchell Robinson. Like those guys are starters but that's just basically as cut and dry as just he plays the center position and nothing else and he needs to be on the floor when Kristaps isn't on the floor. And Kristaps is playing 30 right now. So 18 minutes of Daniel Gafford, like, you said, I'm fine with that. I think yeah. with Gafford, we should just not complicate it. I just think he's capable of more he's than that. He's not very good, though. I don't know. He's, been, I think... he's, been, he's such a bonehead, dude. He's literally like New JaVale. I think he has too many times where he looks kind of like the biggest force in the game on both ends that I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to relegate him to this level of insignificance. I. So I think we have opposite views on this. I think his flashes are just flashes. I don't think he's consistent enough. Like you're talking about the flashes and thinking that they could become everything. Much more regular. I think kind of the opposite, where the flashes are amazing, but we just need to minimize the lulls in between. I don't think... I I think he plays like a sixth man, where his biggest benefit is the spark plug or closing pitcher, where they literally put every ounce of their fiber and being into every single pitch that they can't go more than six outs. I think Gafford would not succeed playing 25 plus minutes. And so I think giving him 17 and then trying to minimize his mistakes could make him the best backup big in the league. Right now he's just a fine one. And I think that's good to not have a hole. The Wizards don't have a hole at backup big. That's because of Gafford, and I think that's a win. I'm very happy with someone on the roster just for that. Yeah, I guess I just like looking at what he did in twenty nine, no, twenty twenty one. Yeah, um, when we for as half soon as season, we got him after the deadline, he was a top five rim protector. Yeah, so I I don't know. That's hard to let go. 
it's hard for me to believe that he did that for half a season and then he's just not that player at all. Especially, but I, I don't think he's going to be that player on this team. I think that's done. Especially with Wes at the helm. Yeah. Players talk frequently, and this has been the subject of ire in interviews about how complicated Wes's system is. Yeah, and that and doesn't feel like it fits Gafford at all. It's Gafford at all, exactly. But I could optimize or optimism that by saying, give it time. Mm-hmm. Because if Gafford, literally I couldn't imagine a better big coach after seeing what he's done in his other stops than Unseld for an undisciplined and young and raw guy in Gafford than to learn from Unseld's tutelage. And even if it takes a while, I think he can really maximize the good and minimize the bad yeah. out of a young big with all the potential and all the flaws of Gafford. If he does that, then I definitely think we'll be seeing Gafford as like a steal of a contract and Agreed. all that. Yeah, he's making, I saw him in the first yeah. place. He's making 14 mil over the next three seasons each, which I think mm-hmm. is pretty good for a six-man center. Yeah. He's not six-man. I don't know how good he is in terms of ranking the players. But I just going to say what I forgot. We've been talking about Gafford long enough. Yeah, I think we're done with that. You want to move on to the home stretch you were talking about? So they've got an 11-day home stretch, which is the longest of the 12 days, depending on when you count and depending on what you call a travel day, either home or away. Long home stretch, six games. They've won the first three, home versus the Mavs, home versus the Jazz, and home versus the Grizzlies. Jazz and Grizzlies was a back-to-back. And now they're off until Wednesday. They play the Thunder at home. They play the Heat. They play Charlotte. Then rest with the home stretch. So home games: Thunder, Heat, Hornets, and then they play in Miami two times in a row. So after the Thunder Ooh. game, they play three out of four games against the Heat, and then they're in Boston, and then they're home against the Wolves. Ooh, so I tough. ask, I ask you of the next three home games: Thunder, Heat, Hornets. Knowing they've already won four in a way, four in a row, do you think they can take two more? They have to take at least the Thunder and Hornets one. I think if they I can take know. those two, and then if we're being really optimistic, if they can take two against the Heat, then they're in really good shape. If not, it gets rough going against Boston and Minnesota and the Heat if you lose to them. What I really like is. I totally forgot. <laughs> rest. This is the first time all year that the Wizards have three days rest. Mm. Is up until this Oklahoma City Thunder game. And so they're going to be resting on top of the longest win streak of the season. You know, it's like going into your bye week positively in the NFL. They're yeah. going into their first three-day rest on a four-game win streak. And then they're at home. So there's no travel, home and then home on both sides of the rest. And they play a bad team in the Thunder. And And Beal should be coming back, yes? And yes, Beal will be back for that game. And so that's another good thing is the Thunder will be watching tape that's two and a half weeks old of the last Mm -hmm. time that Brad was on the floor. And this team is not the team that it was on Halloween. Yeah. And I have expectations for that game as a result of that. 
But then the Heat, man, the Heat and the Wizards play some weird games. Mm-hmm. Like if they beat the Thunder, that's five in a row. I expect them to lose to the Heat. And the Hornets and the Wizards also play weird games. And the Wizards have already beat the Hornets once. But and the way ball I look at is back. Yeah, exactly. Ball is back and he was not back in the first matchup. Yeah. And the way I look at games also is the Wizards have won four in a row prior to the game. So not only do you have to factor in the odds of beating the Thunder, I kind of factor in the odds of can they really go 5-0? and Yeah, and but on the other hand, key... it's momentum, too. Yeah. Like, from a pure statistics-wise, yeah. like I think it, each successive which, I... win gets harder. Yeah, from a pure statistics-wise. but Like, can they win 6 out of 7? Can they win 7 out of 8? It gets more improbable each time. It does, but I... That doesn't like take into account the human factors. Right. They could be winning four in a row because they're playing specifically yeah. well. And, and so I temper yeah. I temper my expectations, but I'll expect the win over the Thunder. And I think I'll expect a split between Miami and Charlotte just because I don't think they win all three and then seven straight. But then what sense. do you think what do you think of at Miami day before Thanksgiving? Oh my God, we're that close to Thanksgiving. And then, oh. yeah. So at Miami on Wednesday, Thanksgiving, and then at Miami again on Black Friday. Do you think they Ooh. split? I feel they like. They kind of have to. If they lose three to Miami. Um, I don't think that's possible. I think they win one against Miami. That's like. That's but r- the Wizards are weird. They had no business really beating Miami the past couple years. I, they just have their number for some reason. The at yeah. and at is crazy to me. I feel like three and four games against the same team is actually a little ludicrous. Especially that's when they're like, in the same division. Like that's the like Heat, at least half a playoff series almost. The Heat don't play 2,500 miles away. The Heat are in the southeast. These are three divisional games in seven mm-hmm. days. Well, I'm assuming that's why they do it, because they're nearby, but... But they wouldn't have to because logistically it'll be easy. Yeah. Yeah, they don't, I don't understand. Yeah. I do not understand it. If they were in another country, like if it was the Raptors, mm-hmm. you know, or they and were already Puerto there Rico or something, yeah, then it makes there. sense. They do it with the Bucks too. On New Year's Day, January 1st and January 3rd, they're at the Bucks twice. Mm-hmm. They do it at home with the Raptors and at home with the Hawks. I don't understand it. Yeah. But so looking forward, they're eight and six. I think Thunder gets them to nine and six. Split between the Miami Heat and the Hornets would get them to ten and seven. And then Heat twice. Would they go two and one or one and two against the Heat? I don't know. What I can I'm gonna say, say two and one because the Heat are playing terribly. Yeah, I honestly feel the same way. I think if they are able to win these next three at home, that's a big sign for, like, this team is kind of on to something. I, feel I like agree. The Heat are kind of like a benchmark. If you I, them- I think that's well put. I think if they believe, if they win two out of three against the Heat and win one of the two, like, if they win those without losing twice to the Hornets and the Thunder, I'm going to believe. Yeah, like these are the five first games with Brad back. 
the most Wizards thing to do would be to beat the Heat and then, like, beat the Heat by, like, seven and then mm-hmm. lose by 28 to the Hornets. So that's why I throw in the caveat that if they beat the Heat, I'd still need to see them beat the Hornets, and then I'm ready to take them seriously. Yeah, I need them to go 3-2 and two in this stretch. Yeah. And then they play the Celtics and the Wolves and the Nets, which could be crazy. Then the Hornets again, then the Lakers, Bulls, Pacers. Not a terribly tough schedule. Yeah. And it gets really kind light. Of front-loaded. Yeah. I no, think Miami, Miami, gets... Miami, Miami, Boston, Minnesota, Brooklyn is tough. If they can yeah. get through that, like even against those teams and winning against Charlotte and OKC, then that's a big deal. Yeah. So I'm optimistic that this continues. And they're I the five seed right now. Anymore. I don't do it anymore either, but optimism for the Wizards is just not Optimism I know I just the... don't even have like opinions on them anymore. Because no yeah. matter what the opinion is, it just leads to disappointment. I don't so I just kind of watch. I don't expect this, but as an outsider, you look at the like I only look at objectives and I say this team's playing really well. They're adding Brad. What could go wrong? Yeah. The one thing And then I the Wizards say... prove to you everything that can go wrong. They're like the human embodiment of Murphy's Law. Is That's Wizards exactly basketball. what they are. Yeah. What I will say is they're 22nd in offensive rating and 20th in defensive rating. I didn't want to say it out loud, but I was looking at those numbers too. So that could the five be, seed. Yeah. That's a big sign potentially that like they're just really bad and lucky. But if you look at their defense, they've allowed 100, 105, 112, and 92 over their last four games. Yeah. Which is really, really good. Yeah. Their number is like, what, 103 or 104 on average, which would be like the best defense in the NBA. Always hard to predict. Yeah. They're an interesting team in terms of pace. They're like 20th in defensive rating, but they're top 10 in opponents' points per game. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that matters more, but being 24th in pace is weird. Maybe even lower than that after a good I mean, tonight. I think it makes sense if game. you just think Monte Morris doesn't push the pace. Kristaps not getting up the floor like that. Brad's really been out. slows down the game. Yeah. They've got a lot of half-court players. And yeah. that helps you in the playoffs, but this is not a team that can get ahead of themselves and think about the playoffs. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Do my you think clothes... the defense is better than the offense? That's my last question. Uh... Fully, fully healthy, like playing in rhythm in January. In theory, no. But if Wes can kind of be what we hoped slash expected him to be, yes. If Beal continues to buy in, yeah. What's a ceiling ranking you would put on the offense and the defense? I think I would cap the defensive ceiling at 14th and the offense around 9 or 10. I guess that's pretty fair. I honestly have no idea. Like Defense, I feel like, is so much just scheme and buy-in. 
more than anything. Yes, I agree. And I think and, there's a world where we could really be talking about, like, oh, Kuz is a legit two-way clamps player. Yeah. But I don't see that. I see, like, the 80th percentile outcome for Kuz on defense. And same with Chris Stops. He's probably not going to ever be all defense. He'll just be an amazing defender. And then, or or he can like full, look lost and slow yeah. and lumbering. Yeah, like there's so a think, world for both. Yeah, I think the safe outcome around them is like eighty percent of their full Mac capabilities, with some realism. I think Brad's gonna be better than he's been over the last couple of years, though. Yeah, he's looked better so far. I mean, he always looks better in the beginning of the year, like every single time. But I think this is different, though. This is the best big he's ever been teammates with in his life. Yes. And Kuzma is the best, like, true forward he's ever been teammates with. He Which, has the best at every position, probably, except point guard. Yeah. And or I that's, guess small forward. Whatever. Doesn't matter. I mean, the four guys that that's a small forward, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, Rui can hold on defense. Denny's the best defender on the team. Kispert helps the O, at least. In theory, you see how everything here fits. Yeah, like a DeLon, Beal, Jordan Goodwin lineup will probably happen at some point this year. I love DeLon, right? And I like him more than Monte. Kooky. I like Jordan Goodwin so much. But we need to stop about the fact that he's the point guard. I think Jordan Goodwin's magic, though. And that's because I'm the world's biggest Johnny Davis fan. Jordan Goodwin's like Johnny Davis, but no longer a little baby child. Yeah. I would love Johnny Davis to be this team's starting other guard. I do think consolidation can happen with a couple guys who I think are not really necessary, yeah. like Monte, Barden. You got so much third plus right now. Gafford. But I don't know what realistically you're getting. So Yeah. All right, you want to wrap it there? Yeah, we only went 15 minutes longer than the goal. That's pretty that might <laughs> That might be a new record. Yeah, exactly. Relative defeat. <laughs> yeah. All right. This has been, we'll just say Wizards Weekly for the yeah, Rock Tot. Probably not weekly, but. As necessary. Weekly. Yeah. The Wizards are fun right now, and so that's the time that we actually want to talk about them. Because if you only do pause when they're fun, this could be the only one of the season. So we had to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We love y'all. My name is Hush. His name I'm is Kia. Kia. Yep. The Rock is hot. Um. The Zards are warm. We'll catch y'all next time. Peace.